Amen. Good morning again, church. I am so encouraged and, man, grateful for our time of worship today, our time of prayer. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Arthur and worship team for leading us this morning. Um, as we were singing the song, No Longer a Slave, I, I was reminded, I, I want us to take just a minute and pray here, the beginning of the message. Um, this past Friday, January 22nd, is, was Sanctity of Life Day in our country. Um, and as a church, I, I wanted to take a minute and just to declare um, that we value the sanctity of human life. Scripture is clear that men and women are created in the image of God. And as such, we are image bearers and all human life is sacred. As, as we sang a moment ago in the song, No Longer Slaves, if, you'll, if you guys will put up verse two of No Longer Slaves and uh, turn on the piano because we're just gonna sing a little bit of this line together. I know I've got them. I didn't, I didn't tell them we were gonna do that. Um, but it just says, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. And I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. That verse starts off, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. David declares in the Psalms that we are knit together in our mother's womb, that the God who created us knew us before time began, that all of our days were numbered in his book before we ever breathed a breath. And so we declare that human life is sacred. And so this morning, I just want us to take a minute and, and pray as we um, acknowledge and commemorate Sanctity of Life Day for a lot of churches last Sunday or this Sunday. Um, churches all over our country are, are taking a minute just to affirm and declare based on the authority of God's word, the sanctity of human life. And so we're going to pray uh, for the unborn in our nation. Over 20 million children uh, who are, have been aborted over the last however many years uh, since I don't remember that exact number of years that abortion has been legalized in our country, and we believe that those children are precious to God. We also want to pray for those um, who have been affected by abortion, the termination of a life. Um, there are many sitting in this room whose lives have been affected by that and carry the scars and the guilt and the pain of that, and we want to pray for them for God's restoration in their life. And we want to pray for those uh, in the foster care system and in the adoption system and, and, and uh, doctors and nurses and practitioners who, who help and affirm life. We want to pray for those folks as well. And we want to pray that as a church, we would have a heart of compassion and love and truth to declare the preciousness and the sanctity of human life. So I just want to pray, and then we'll get into our message today. But Lord, we thank you that you created us in your image. You created the world and all that exists. And you said it is good. And then scripture tells us that intentionally, intentionally, 
And specifically, you created man and woman in your image. God, nothing else in all of creation is like humanity because we were created in your image. And you call us to love one another and to protect one another. And in the book of Psalms, you tell us that we are formed intricately, wonderfully in our mother's womb. Lord, you know us before we ever breathe our first breath because human life is precious to you. In fact, Lord, humanity is so precious to you that you gave your one and only son to pay the ultimate sacrifice to redeem humanity. And so, Lord, this morning, we agree with you and we affirm the value that you place on human life. So, Lord, in a culture where life is not always valued, we push against the tide to declare in your name that human life is precious. So, Lord, help us to love one another the way you have loved us. Help us to speak up for those who are unborn, but also for those who do not have a voice in our culture because human life is precious. Lord, I pray specifically for those who have been affected and hurt and scarred by the abortion industry and abortion moms and dads, grandparents. God, I, I pray for them this morning to know your comfort and your peace and your love. God, I pray for Children who are inconvenient and unwanted. God, I thank you that you know their name and they are precious to you. God, I pray especially for children who are born into a difficult system, who are in foster care and who are in um, systems where, God, they don't have a home. I pray for those kids to know your love and your presence and your hand in their life. And God, I pray that they would know that they are precious to you. I pray for people in their life, your people, your voice to declare their value and their worth. Lord, I pray for doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and pregnancy center workers who are every day fighting a battle for the unborn, that you would be with them and encourage them and bless them. Lord, help us as a church not to just take a political stance, but to truly value life the way you value life. That it wouldn't be a bumper sticker or a protest sign, but from our heart, we would understand your heart. And so, Lord, this morning we thank you. Thank you that you are a God who values life, who values humanity, and personally who values each of us. You are a Father who knows our name. So we love you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to continue our series, The Heart of Christ. 
And our goal in this series is to greater understand the heart of Jesus Christ for us. And we said last week that um, the heart reveals the truest depths of who someone really is. The heart reveals the deepest reality of who a person is. And so if we can better understand Jesus' heart, we can better understand who he is. And so we are going to continue our series. This past week, I was out of town for a few days. I went uh, just a little southwest of Dallas, Texas to a pastor's uh, meeting and conference um, for one day, just some pastors from all over the state of Texas who were gathered together, and then some national leaders from the Baptist Bible Fellowship, which is the network of churches uh, that, that our church is a part of. And uh, it was an encouraging time as, as we talked together and prayed together and, and sought the Lord's wisdom and guidance for direction on how, not just as local individual churches, but as, as a national a fellowship network of churches, we can help each other and encourage each other in church planting and, and church development and, and proclaiming the gospel all around the world. We got to hear from the missions director of our organization, a guy named John Connerup, and uh, he just shared with us some, some stats about the missionaries all over the world that we support who are a part of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. Of the 70 or so missionaries that, that we support as a church, I would say probably half of those missionaries are a part of the Baptist Bible Fellowship International. So it was exciting to hear all that God is doing and get to pray and be a part of it. Uh, but man, I am glad to be back here in Florida I'm not really a Texas guy. Uh, I don't have cowboy boots or a cowboy hat or one of those belt buckles. Um, one morning I went to breakfast, this place called the Firehouse Cafe, um, and uh, somebody invited me to breakfast, and I opened the door, and it was just clear that I didn't belong there. Uh, it was like one of those Western movies where, like, the guy goes through the saloon doors and everybody kind of turns and looks. That's how I felt. I mean... You know, I, I, I wasn't wearing a weird clothes. Or I don't know. But they could just tell I was not one of them. Um, so I enjoyed my breakfast, and I thought, what is the manliest, rootin' tootin'est thing I can order on this menu? Just give me all deep-fried bacon. Give me all of it, however I can fit in and not, you know, get in a fight while I'm here. But anyway, I'm glad to be back in Florida, and more than anything else, I'm glad to be back here with you, church. I am so grateful for you. I love you, and I am grateful to serve and be a part of this ministry. Uh, this past Friday, our, um, our outreach team uh, went out on the streets here on 436 and got to share the gospel with people all over, our, a lot of our, our neighbors on 436, homeless neighbors and, and just neighbors that we encountered. And, and this Friday, eight people put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And I want to praise the Lord for that. I'm so grateful for that team of people who go out every Friday and boldly proclaim the name of Jesus as we talked about this morning. I'm so, so grateful. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue our Heart of Christ series, and I want to read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, which is really the key text for our study, and, and, and then today we're going to um, take it a little deeper and, and look at another facet of Jesus' heart towards us. But let me read to you this morning, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus says, come to me. 
All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we looked at this passage last week. The only place in Scripture where Jesus specifically tells us about his heart, and he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. We talked about the reality of what that meant, and and we started by saying what Jesus did not say, right? Jesus did not say, "I I am tough and demanding in heart. And I think a lot of times there are a lot of us who think of Jesus in this way as tough and demanding, always pointing out our flaws and rolling his eyes at our failures. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. He, he didn't say, I am dignified and distant. And I think sometimes we think of Jesus in this way. After all, he is the son of God, and so he's aloof to our suffering and to our problems and to the difficulties of our life. But Jesus didn't say that he was dignified and distant. He said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. We looked at these two words, gentle and lowly, and they describe a Savior who is infinitely accessible. They describe a Savior that is infinitely accessible. His his heart towards us, his gentle and lowly heart makes him the kind of Savior that we can approach. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to worry about what he thinks of us and, and, and timidly come before him. But Scripture in the book of Hebrews says we can come boldly before him because of his heart for us. He's the kind of guy that if you were on earth with Jesus at the time that he was here on earth, he is the kind of person that you would be drawn to. We talked about people in our lives, right? Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your teacher. We, we talked about the kind of people that we're nervous to be around, right? The kind of people who you're afraid to say the wrong thing. In fact, you, you kind of get nervous when you're around them and you end up saying the wrong thing because you're so nervous to be around them, right? We talked about those kind of people and that is not who Jesus is. He is the exact opposite of that. He is infinitely accessible and approachable. And so throughout Scripture, we see people coming to Jesus, people who were the rejects and the outcasts of the culture. But they were drawn to him, and when they came to him, he welcomed them with open arms. Jesus' gentle and lowly heart means that his his, um, default posture is, is open arms, not crossed arms, not pointed finger, but open arms welcoming the children that he dearly loves. But we looked at at one other reality, that Jesus is gentle and lowly to those who come to him. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. We must come to Jesus. All are welcome to come, but for some reason, there's many of us who say, no, 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 I'm not interested. I don't want that. I don't need that. I don't want your yoke. I want to do things my own way. 
I would rather be a slave to fear. We sang the song this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And, and somehow we feel like if, if God is my father, that means he's going to tell me what to do. Well, yeah, he is because he loves you. And he knows what's best for you. And he wants what's best for you. And he has the power to pull it off. And when we submit to him, we can live a life abundant, Jesus says, full of purpose and meaning. So we, we started by looking at Jesus' heart, his gentle and lowly heart, and we said we must respond to his heart by coming to him. But this morning, I want to look at his heart in action. If he's gentle and lowly in heart, what does that mean? How, does, how is that uh, exemplified? How is that lived out? And so this morning, we're going to look at the compassion of Jesus Christ. The compassion of Jesus Christ. Compassion is Jesus' heart in action. Gentle and lowly describes the posture of his heart, but, but this posture of his heart calls him to action. That's his compassion. Compassion is a word in the New Testament that occurs several times, most of the time in reference to Jesus Christ. He was moved with compassion. This word compassion signifies a deep drive and longing in the depths of his heart and soul. Really, the Greek word refers to his guts, his bowels. <laughs> it's, it's this picture of this uh, this moving this motivation that starts from the inside and it just kind of busts out. Jesus' love for us overflows into action. It's his compassion for us. So let's pray and then we're gonna look at the compassion of Christ, what it means for us today and how we can respond. So Lord, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first and you demonstrated your love for us in this while we were still sinners. Because of your heart of compassion, you died for us. So Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by your compassion this morning. I pray that we would be assured by your compassion this morning. I pray that your compassion would help us to put away our doubts and fears this morning. Lord, for somebody in here this morning who is not even looking for you, I pray that your compassion would draw them. And then, Lord, let us respond by living out your compassion in our lives. So we give you this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, that was just to make sure you're still with me, okay? And everybody said, amen. All right. Let me read Matthew 20. Verses 29 through 34, and we're going to see the first encounter this morning where Jesus' compassion is on display. Matthew 20, verse 29, it says, as they were leaving Jericho, this is Jesus and his disciples, a large crowd followed them, and there were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they, crowd out, <clears throat> they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd demanded that they keep silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped and he called to them and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, open our eyes. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they could see and they followed him. 
this first encounter, we see Jesus walking through the city of Jericho, and there's all kinds of people following him as disciples are with him. Probably they're walking from Jericho uh, toward Jerusalem. Jericho was a, a couple days' journey from Jerusalem, and it would have been on their route as they're coming down from Galilee, where Jesus did most of his ministry. They would have crossed the Jordan River, gone up through Jericho, and then headed toward Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, he had business to get done. And yet he takes the time as these two blind men on the outskirts of the city, on the outskirts of society, cry out to him. Have mercy on us, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd says, stop. Who do you think you are? This is Jesus. Y'all, hush. Leave him alone. He's got stuff to do. You guys have no right. And it says they even got louder. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on us. And I love Jesus' response. He turns and looks at him and says, what you need? <laughs> they said, Lord, open our eyes. And Jesus moved with compassion, touched their eyes, and they could see. And they begin to follow him. This is what compassion is. Jesus sees a need and he hears these men calling out to him who have probably been sitting there most of their life blind. From the time they got out of their parents' house, they were sitting there blind at the roadside, begging and asking for money. And they heard that this guy, Jesus, could do something about it. And so they said, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he healed them. He healed them. Now the question is, what if they had listened to the crowd? When the crowd said, stop, you are making fools of yourself. This is embarrassing. He's going to think Jericho's a, a, you know, a, a lousy city if you guys don't be quiet. You're, you're giving all of us a bad reputation. What if they had listened to the crowd and stopped calling out? This morning, maybe you need Jesus to move in your life. And he has compassion for you. But maybe somebody told you, come on, really? You, you just take care of that yourself. Don't bother the Lord with that. That, you know, you really think that prayer is going to work? Right, maybe. We've all been there. Maybe the culture around you, maybe your workplace, I don't know, maybe your school. And you thought, I'm just going to stop. But they didn't stop. And Jesus was moved with compassion. They asked boldly, and Jesus responded. Jesus responds when we seek his compassion. Jesus responds with compassion when we seek him. And this morning, maybe you need to seek him. But I want to look at another story in Mark chapter 1, verses 39 through 42. 
Jesus is in Galilee, and it says, He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged, and listen, he said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, reached out his hand and touched him, and he said, I am willing. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Again, we see Jesus moved with compassion. From the depths of his soul and his heart, it overflows in responding to this man with leprosy who was an outcast, who was unclean, who was not worthy to stand before Jesus. And yet he came with boldness and he said, Jesus, if you're willing, if you want to, you could do something. And Jesus moved with compassion. I love Jesus' response. He says, I am willing. And maybe this morning, there's something in your life, and you wonder if Jesus is willing to do something about it. I mean, I, I wonder. I wonder if he would help me. I wonder if he would be willing to listen to me. I, I wonder if he would be, I mean, there's just so much baggage in my life. There, I, I've made so many mistakes. I wonder if he would be willing to listen to me. And I love Jesus' response, his simple response. I'm willing. I'm willing. I am willing. Be made clean. And immediately, it says he was clean. The leprosy left him. And so the question this morning, is there any situation in your life where you haven't sought Jesus because you weren't sure if he was willing to help? You thought, I don't know if I should ask about this one or not. I mean, I know he could do something if he wanted to, but I don't know if he would want to do something for me. And this morning Jesus says to you, I am willing. Jesus' gentle and lowly heart assures us that he is willing Jesus' gentle and lowly heart assures us that he is willing to respond with compassion. Jesus is willing to respond. But I want to look at another encounter in Mark chapter 9. Another individual who is in deep need. And he comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 9. They brought the boy to him, to Jesus, and when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell on the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. There's a dad who has a son who is possessed with a demon. And they bring the boy to Jesus, and when he sees Jesus, the demon inside of him throws him to the ground. Verse 21, how long has this been happening to him, Jesus asked the father. From childhood, he said. And many times it's thrown him into fire or to water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The father said, if you can do anything. And I love Jesus' response again. 
Jesus said, if you can, if you can, everything's possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Jesus heals the boy, casts out the demon. Again, we see somebody in deep need comes to Jesus. But this time, the question is not if Jesus is willing. The question is if Jesus is able. He says, I mean, if you can, if there's anything you can do, if you're able, would you please have compassion? And maybe this morning there's a situation in your life and it's not just wondering if Jesus is willing to help you, but could he even redeem this situation? I mean, this one is too far gone. This one is hopeless. This one is helpless. I don't know if Jesus could save this person. I don't know if Jesus could change their heart. I don't know if Jesus could draw them out of the depths of where they find themselves. I don't know if he could even do it. And this father comes to Jesus and he says, I don't know if you can do something, but if you can, would you? And Jesus says, if I can. He says, nothing's impossible for those who believe. And this father responds and he says, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I have encouraged you to pray that prayer before. I encourage people all the time to pray that prayer. I have to pray that prayer often myself. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I want to believe. I know that you are the creator and sustainer of life, but in my human perspective, this thing seems a little too big, so help my unbelief. And maybe there's somebody this morning who is just not sure if Jesus is even able. Jesus is even able to do something about the place where you find yourself. And this morning, Jesus says, Nothing is impossible for those who believe. And so maybe this morning you need to pray the prayer of this father. Lord, I believe. Lord, I, I believe. Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. And is there a situation in your life? Is there a place in your life? Is there a circumstance in your life where you've begun to doubt if God is able and I want to ensure you, assure you this morning that not only is he willing, but he is able. Jesus is able to respond with compassion this morning. But I want to look at one more encounter before we wrap up. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36, it tells us, that Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' heart of compassion doesn't just go out 
to those who seek him. But as Jesus looks at the crowd, they don't even know they're lost. And Jesus is moved with compassion. And this morning, maybe you're here because somebody brought you and you're not really sure how you feel about all the God stuff and all the Jesus stuff and all the church stuff. Maybe there was a moment in your life at some point where, where you were, uh, felt connected to God and, and now you don't and you're just not even sure if you believe it. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus' heart of compassion is moved for you. Just like this crowd of people who didn't even know they were lost. And yet Jesus' heart of compassion was moved for them. Isn't that wonderful? When we weren't looking for him, he was looking for us. When we were running from him, he was running towards us. Next week, we're going to look a little bit at Luke chapter 15. It, it tells us that there was a shepherd and he had 100 sheep and he lost one and he left the 99 to go and search for that one stupid sheep <laughs> who didn't even know he was lost. And he went and found the sheep because of his compassion. And this morning, maybe there's a situation in your life and you know I need the Lord. And if you will come to him and seek him, he will respond with compassion. And maybe there's a situation in your life and you know you need the Lord, but you're not sure if he's willing to help. This morning he says, I am willing. Come to me. Or maybe there's something going on in your life and you don't even know if God could do something if he wanted to. And this morning, nothing is impossible for our God. He is willing and he is able. Come to him. And this morning, maybe you are not looking for him, but I promise he is looking for you. Come to him. Come to him. Come to him this morning. One final thought. As we close, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Because of who he is to us, because of his compassion toward us and for us, he calls us to be compassionate to one another. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, very straightforwardly, be kind and compassionate to one another. In fact, why don't you just read that out loud with me, okay? One, two, three. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And it continues, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Compassion is Jesus' heart in action. He is moved toward us. When we come to him, he responds come to him this morning. He is willing. He is able. And even if you weren't looking for him, <laughs> he was looking for you and he calls you today, come. Believers, how can we live that out 
in our own lives? How can we love other people that way? The people look at us and go, I wonder if they would be willing to help me. Let's be willing, church. I wonder if they would be able to help me. That's why we're a church and not just individuals. Because if you can't do something to help, we might can. So let's do more together than we could on our own, right? Let's be able to help people, to point them to Jesus with boldness, right? Like we talked about this morning. And maybe there's some people in your life and you say, huh, they don't care one thing about God. They're not even looking for God. Well, Jesus' heart of compassion sought them out even when they were running away. And who in your life can you seek out in the name of Jesus with the heart and compassion of Jesus Christ? Because that's what he calls us to, be kind and compassionate to one another. Why don't you stand up with me? Before I pray, I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand as I ask a couple of questions just so we can pray for each other this morning, so I can pray for you. The first question is, is there a situation in your life where you know you need Jesus' compassion? You want to seek him for his compassion this morning. Just put your hand up. I need Jesus' compassion in a specific situation, area, something in my life. I mean, that ought to be most of us. <laughs> Here, here's the next question. You can put your hands down. Maybe there is something in your life and you would say this morning, I, I, I'm not sure if Jesus is willing to help me, but this morning... I, I want God to remind me and assure me that he is willing to help me. Anybody like that? Praise the Lord. He's willing. He's willing. And here's the next question. Maybe there's something really big, and you're not even sure if God is able to do it this morning. You need to be reminded that he is able to move with compassion in your life. Anybody like that? Just need to be reminded that God is able Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And is there anybody there here this morning who says, you know what, I haven't been looking for God, but this morning I realize he has been looking for me with his heart of compassion. And I, I want to respond to him this morning. I'm putting my faith in him as Savior. Anybody like that this morning who would say, I, I want to come to Jesus this morning? Anybody like that at all? Well, let me pray, and as I pray, um, if you want to come down here to the front and pray this morning, I invite you to do that, just to come and, and really as a, as a physical posture of coming to Jesus this morning for whatever's going on, whatever situation that you need to be reminded that he's willing, able to move.
believer, maybe you want to come and just pray that God would help you to live out his compassion in the world around you. Let me pray. We're going to sing, and as we sing, I invite you to respond this morning. Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your compassion. That from the depths of who you are, your love overflows toward us. And you respond to our need and our hurt. And even when we wonder if you are willing, you tell us that you are willing. And when we wonder if you are able, you tell us that you are able. And so, Lord, help us to believe that truth this morning. And even when we're not looking for you, you're looking for us. Help us to respond to what a wonderful Savior you are. Then, Lord, help us to live out that compassion for others. In Jesus' name. Amen. If God is moving in your heart, I invite you to respond to him this morning.